is Hard Parking, brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Jay Finning. Joining me in the studio today, returning is Bo, Bo Allen Jung. Bo, welcome back. Hi, Jay. How you doing? Good. Coming up on today's show, we're going to just sit here and talk about some car news, the Felicity Ace. Like, I don't, I try to stay away from the most current of events because everybody else is covering it. But every once in a while, I, I was thinking the other day I was driving, I was like, you know, people could read and listen to it anywhere, but maybe there's people who count on me for their car news. Oh, yeah, totally. I listen to you in the car a lot. Let's see. There you go. So I figure we should talk about that. We're also going to talk about some of the, uh, the inflation numbers and how it's affected cars and their sales and things like that. But for those of you listening who don't like car stuff, don't worry. We'll, we'll slow it down because, as you know, I'm not that big of a, a car nerd. And also, there's an event we're going to go to today. Rap Sesh is doing a, a mural unveiling downtown Gilbert. Well, that'd be interesting. I think it's what it is. It's at the arcade. It's kind of like the. It's kind of like Cobra Arcade. I forgot what it's called in Gilbert. Fascinating. I don't. I don't know that area very well anymore. Yeah, but it's old school. Last time I was there, I played Super Off Road. Hey, for a while. That's a classic. In fact, one of our listeners and patrons, Alex, who was here in studio recently, he's a uh, he's an off road ace, self claimed. He's mm. probably pretty good at it. I think I'm pretty good too. I have no idea. I always seem to suck, but those things are supposed to eat quarters, you know. They do eat quarters. It's all about the nitrous. Yeah. And the steering wheel that you can just spin. Yeah. Like nobody's business. 300 or 3,600 degrees of range on those things. Yeah. I'm getting over uh, illness. I'll try not to cough. I am the second week back from the Key West visit. So there's is it, one. Is it a Key West illness? You know, I don't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't the Rona. <laughs> okay. But it has given me a significant cough. I did have to get finally amoxicillin mm. to kind of help clear some stuff away. Yeah. And so... Um, you got to take care of yourself, Jay. Sometimes you wake up and you you can't stop coughing at like one in the morning. I hear that. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. And then you have to take like the cough medicine. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, here's your new hard parking... Oh, thank you. ...sticker. Thank you. Looks pretty cool. You can stick it on something, toolbox. Pretty baller, uh, actually. A laptop. Yeah. So the artist is Matt Moylan. That's the second time I've worked with him, and he is actually known for doing Tiny Transformer comics. Interesting. Yep, at Tiny TF Con, and he does things like that. So figured I'd use them before I'd use them again. Yeah, you should. Uh, you should uh, say his um, Instagram or social media or whatever it is. He's kind of old school and hard to find. Interesting. He has a deviant art. Mm, old know. school and yeah. hard to find, right? Yeah. And um, but when it comes to like his his uh his Instagram, it's a little difficult, and then Facebook is difficult. In fact, I had to chase him down. It took me about four weeks to chase him down after he he initially said, "Yeah, I'll do it." Mm. So how did you how did you chase him down though? Uh, I have his email. Oh, okay. And then I stalked him on social media. Oh, uh, I was I was thinking like you know you had like some Indiana Jones hat on and you're, you know digging through papers and stuff. No, I had I had um, Daryl Dixon track him. Oh. From Walking Dead. Oh, I see. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. 
Again, that's four wheel online, the number four wheel online. So it's a beautiful day out here. It's sixties. It's been hot lately, but you came down in the Lexus. Yes, I did. Because you are, you live in Sedona. Mm-hmm. And for people who aren't used to Arizona, they think that Arizona is just as really nice, always hot. They think it's San Diego, I think. Yeah. It's not. Tell us about your, uh, what's going on in Sedona today? Uh, well, I mean, there's always a lot of things going on in the weekend. Sedona is a tourist town, uh, first and foremost. Yeah. So the thing about Sedona is that the traffic inside of the middle of the town has gotten to almost intolerable levels. The locals on next door are very concerned about it. Um <laughs> You know, they put in the roundabouts to try and help alleviate some of that instead of the stop signs, the four-way stops and the intersections. And it's helped a little bit, but then you also get a bunch of tourists who don't know how roundabouts work. And I can't blame them for not knowing if they've never been on them. But at the same time, it is a little aggravating to watch them in the middle of the circle stop for people to get in. So, um, yeah, it's just hectic, hectic, hectic tourism all weekend and the weekdays that used to be immune. And I used to tell people to come up on the weekdays because it's a lot less traffic. And it is. But that's slowly starting to change as well. There's a lot more density there just from tourist traffic. Everyone wants to hike. Everyone wants to see the Red Rocks. And it's a good place to live. So I I don't blame them. But at the same time, it's getting pretty bad. Um, The thing about Flagstaff is I was actually going to go up to a Cars and Coffee in Flagstaff, which they don't really advertise for up there. There's a Subaru dealership that was going to host one today. I think it's the first one I've seen in maybe six months. And I didn't get there. Um, And I have some interesting dash cam footage to show you later, Jay. But the the summary is is that I started losing traction about halfway up the squigglies. There's a highway 89A. Oh yeah, were you taking 89A from Sedona, mm-hmm. like across that big bridge? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So you know it's a lovely road. You got nice twisties if you're into that. You've got lovely scenery if you're into that. And there's also about a 10 degree difference in temperature if you're into that. So uh, in Sedona not, right now, not bad I, in the summer. Not bad in the summer. Not bad in the summer at all. Right now. Mm. Mm. It's honestly, I find it okay now, but I'm, I'm now a mountain guy. Uh, after living in Phoenix for so many years, you get used to 120 degree weather. Mountain bow. Mountain bow. Yeah. I I, like to tell people I live in the woods. Um, because Sedona has actual deciduous trees, but so what happened in (laughs) Flagstaff, uh, what happened on the 89A about I would say about five to 10 miles outside of Flagstaff actually is a lot of concern. Um, it started sleeting, first of all. So it wasn't big enough to be hail. I'd say probably raindrop size. You're but in the, was, and you're in the Porsche. Uh, no, actually, um, I, I couldn't get it up there because the Porsche's on summer tires. And oh, okay. I have a personal policy to never, ever travel on summer tires under 40 degrees. I know some people like to fudge it and say that's just manufacturer's recommendations, but not me. You know, I don't want to ruin that rubber any harder than I have to. So. There was a Nissan Titan about, about five miles out of town, just at the end of the squigglies, because right in the middle there, you know, it goes up the mountain route, and it's really, really nice for technical turns, and, and it's very close to a big cliff. <laughs> so he was uh, stuck very there. Very close. Yeah, very close. Very close. Like, like one brick wall away close. Right. Yep. That, that Titan, I guess it was two-wheel drive only or something, because he was stuck. He was revving the engine rotating the rear tires and i assume it's a he it could be a she or somebody else i don't know but they, you're, can, you're canceled <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sorry everybody i i don't know my pronouns but i will i learn every day uh back to the point that nissan titan was stuck in the middle of the road not our lane the middle right between the lines and they were jammed there spinning their tires uselessly for about five minutes 
Now, I had already lost traction occasionally. I have all seasons on my Lexus right now. And that's the reason I chose to go up to Flagstaff because on all seasons, you know, you, you have a leeway of maybe something like maybe up to zero degrees F, maybe minus 10 F before the rubber starts to get hard. And for 99% of the conditions between Flagstaff and Sedona, it's fine. I have noted that there's about usually about two weeks in Flagstaff where it's just unacceptable and there's a lot of snow and ice. And we got caught in it. So like I was saying, sleet, um, you know, droplet style sleet. So it wasn't like something that would damage your paint. And then there was a ton of rain. There was slush and ice all over the road and snow wasn't melting on the side. So what you got there is mm. a poor driver of a Nissan Titan embarrassing themselves. And uh, while I had lost grip a little bit in the back a couple of times, I mean, it is a powerful sports sedan. I was doing okay, but he got stuck there and some people turned around and I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I don't want to make a hard call to my relatives today. I don't want to make a hard call to my family today. So I turned around, went back down the 89A. Things were peachy keen. And then I took the 17 all the way here, uh, you know, to your lovely studio, which I am so glad to have been invited to. Now, Nissan Titan, I did some quick searching here and it looks like it's like with, that's a, is that the SUV or truck? It's a giant truck, right? Right. It's their big truck, uh, similar in size to the Armada. And I don't know a whole lot about trucks, uh, but I do know that um, I think it can come with two-wheel drive instead of four-wheel drive. Looks like it. Looks like there's two-wheel to four-wheel drive conversions and stuff. So Fascinating. We're going to go up north, and we're going to be in the coldest climate, I believe, in Arizona. And we're going to possibly have, because if we have a four-wheel drive, assuming it's got proper tires, mm. maybe it doesn't happen? Mm, not, not usually, no. Um, that's one of the things that I really like to harp on and a lot of enthusiasts like to harp on actually. And, and I'm sorry, Jay, I, I might be more of a car nerd than you. So I talk about this stuff all the time. That's why you, that's why you're here. Ah, well, uh, the car nerd in me definitely sides with the people who prefer, they call them winter tires now. And the reason is, is just the amount of grip between an all season and a winter tire is so dramatic. You know, it's the difference between stability at 30% or 30 miles an hour and you may not actually wind up dodging that deer at 30 miles an hour on the all seasons. And, and there's been a lot of YouTube videos and stuff that proves that. Yeah. Let's talk winter tires for a second because most of the country is still dealing with this. Mm -hmm. While this is Arizona, you live two and a half hours away. Uh, Sedona is about two, one and a half hours. If you're on the Northern peak of Phoenix, Sedona, Sedona is about 4,500 feet up in altitude. And not a lot of people know this, but Flagstaff is 7,000 feet up in altitude. That's higher oh, yeah. than Denver. Yeah. Uh, but, so we get very mild winters. We have snow maybe once a year for a week. Two inches maybe. Tops. Flagstaff is a different People story. go there to snow. I mean, <laughs> snow. People go there to ski. Yeah. Slide. Like we, we went there a couple yeah, months ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I know about winter tires. Yeah. Moving here from Michigan. Oh, yeah. The Bridgestone Blizzaks. Mm. We had them on my wife's old Audi. And she came, one day I was traveling home and the flight got canceled, the connector from Chicago to Grand Rapids. Oh no. And it, I could have stayed the, until the next morning, but then I also had to fly out on Sunday. Mm. So I would lose like an entire day of the weekend. So she drove to Chicago, white knuckling it. Wow. She picked me up. Yeah. I don't know if she'd do that like now, but she was a trooper on that trip. Yeah. So I'm driving and... Those Blizzaks are 100% of the reason why we got, and it's an Audi Quattro, so four-wheel drive. Yep. Incredibly capable. Yep. We were passing cars on the highway 
that were just stuck in the in the middle lane with their hazards because, you know, outside of the city, they don't plow. Oh, yeah. Those trucks, they go out 10, 15 miles, and they turn around and come back. Right. And we were dodging, and it was a little hairy. Mm. You know, the it started wiggling a little bit on me. Yeah. But um, made it home. One night I was leaving work at the hospital and we had a we had a Dodge Neon, 2002 Dodge Neon ES. Oh, oh boy. Green. Oh man. I put the the shitty high high intensity discharge lights in there. Yeah. I knew better, but I did it anyway. <laughs> so they were kind of bluish and they were blinding everybody and I couldn't see shit, but I did it anyway. You're one of them, Jay. You're one of them. I was absolutely one of them. <laughs> and I knew better too. Yeah. But I had put I, I put snow tires on the front. They weren't Blizzaks, they were something else. And that got me home in one of the worst snowstorms, front wheel drive, from my job, which is about four miles down the road. But you had to cross the bridge, get on the highway, exit. I stalled out at the bottom, or I got stuck in the bottom of my driveway. Oh, man. But I made it that far. Yeah, that's a relief, right, to be on the and, driveway? And, yeah. I mean, take the same vehicle I was driving to college, which was also a few miles away. God, that was so convenient, man. My job was two exits one way, and school was one exit the other. Oh, that's so handy. And I lived like three minutes from the exit. I mean, it was, but anyway, I'm, I'm behind the school, and you know, in snowy conditions, you don't have to be going fast. Nah. And you can, it's like, you can just see it coming. So you just sit there and slide, and you think about your life, you think <laughs> about your investment portfolio, <laughs> if you remember to shut the garage door, oh, and then you hit the curb. Yeah. So I did that and I like smashed two of the wheels on that thing. And I wasn't going fast. I was like going around the back of the building, maybe 15 miles an hour. That was before the snow tires. Yeah. You were on all seasons or before or summer? I was or? on psh, probably federal tires or something. Oh yeah. Those federals. Probably 40 bucks a piece. But with those snow tires on the front, man, those are the last tires we had on the car before we moved here. And then we sold it to my brother-in-law and he drove it all summer and winter and summer with the winter tires. So it didn't really work out for him. Hmm. He went through them like that. That's true. Because they're winter tires. Of course. Yeah. That's my winter tire story, so I know a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we haven't had any close calls on our end about that, um, but I do realize that the more often I go to Flagstaff, the more those tires are going to be likely used. In Sedona, fine. All season's perfect. They're fine. But Flagstaff, with its actual inclement weather? Yeah. There was an embarrassing situation where we stopped in line for an Arby's drive through that's up there. And I was on the Lexus. I was in the Lexus, not on it. And right, I wasn't <laughs> Your like wife was driving, riding. and you were kind of just like tied yeah. to the tied to the top, car surfing, or yeah. you know how you do, how the Woo! kids do. Yeah, uh, it's an Arizona thing. <laughs> it is an Arizona thing. But yeah, and we were stuck there in line. The person in front of us, or maybe two or three cars in front of us, had ordered a big a meal, so we are just sitting there waiting, and it was time to move forward. And I found out that the car was nestled in those four little trenches that people make while they're waiting for things in their cars. And it was iced over. Mm. The friction mm. from the snow had caused it a little bit to glaze. Mm. And we just sat there and spin, 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 spin the rear wheels. Nothing happened. My wife is freaking out. And uh, I realized as I drift closer and closer off the center of that drive through lane that I'm getting closer and closer to a big metal pole that's next to my rear door. Oh. And... My wife is losing it at this point, and you know I did the right thing. I turned off my track control to make sure that I can grip without having the TC come on and, and break things. I put my rear diff, and this is nice for modern cars. I put my rear diff in track mode, which will lock the two together if it loses grip, uh, and that's really cool. And and then I put it in snow mode. But here's the thing about Lexus snow mode. Lexus snow mode, all it does is make you shift lower and start out in second. It's an eight-speed transmission, so it's got all the room in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, snow mode doesn't do jack. 
So I did that and then I eventually gave up and just reversed out of that. And luckily the people behind us gave us some room, obviously crazy guy in a Lexus sedan in the middle of winter mm -hmm. trying to get roast beef. And we got out of there and he very politely, the driver behind me asked me very politely, Hey, you, you need a push? You want some help? And I was like, no, I think I've no, learned I my lesson. No, I got it. Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. Yeah. So, so reversing out was a lot easier than pulling forward. And we got out of there and, you know, I calmed my wife down. You know, she's not hysterical by any means. She just doesn't like those kind of situations. So that was my lesson. And I was like, okay, the more I come to Flagstaff, the more I'm going to need to know tires. So now I'm shopping around for PSF wheels, PSF tires. So if anyone's got any, please let me know because I need a spare set. That's at Vajazima Gilder Tits on Instagram. Yes. Uh, Arby's, what's your go-to? I like their medium roast beef sandwich um, without any fripperies, but they do have the melted cheese they put on their beef and cheddars. Yeah. I don't care for the buns on the beef and cheddars. So Is that I just, the onion bun? Yeah, yeah, it's got that onion bun. And, yeah. and honestly, it's a decent texture, but the flavor is a little different. And I prefer the old school Arby's roast beef sandwich buns. And then I have them add a little melted cheese. And after they stop giving me that dirty look, they go ahead and do it. And I'm not kidding. They're really nice about it usually. Mm -hmm. And um, it's great. But I have to limit my intake of Arby's a lot more these days. Now that I'm in middle age, gaining weight's really easy. You just look at a pizza and you're done. So I have Arby's maybe once every six months now. I don't think I have Arby's once a year. But I used to eat Arby's a lot. And I like Arby's. Have you, uh, have you seen that nihilist? Twitter Arby's, the, the no. Twitter feed on, our, uh, on Twitter, the Twitter feed on Twitter. The Twitter yes. feed on Twitter. The yeah. Twitter feed on Twitter. I follow you. The, the, the account is run by someone who uses the username of nihilist underscore Arby's and their dramatic, despondent, depressing views on life. And they always end with the tagline, eat Arby's. And they're not affiliated with Arby's at all, but I follow that Arby's feed more than I would follow the regular corporate feed. You know, let's talk about corporate feeds, corporate Facebooks. Yeah. When we have a job, the job is like, hey, join our Facebook page. Mm. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't understand following corporate accounts. Mm. Sounds like you do. A few. Not a lot, but a few. Why? Because occasionally, just very occasionally, sometimes they will pay attention to something that you post about their brand. And while it usually results in nothing, because social media managers aren't in the habit of just giving things out all the time, occasionally you get some interesting interactions. That's cool, then. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you, you have to be judicious. Most of the time, you're just going to get ads or things that are posts that look like ads. And if you're not into that, I would highly recommend that you don't follow any of those. I've called, uh, I've called American Airlines out before, and they've responded, like, please get a hold of us, customer service. We'd like to resolve your issue. And then they don't answer the phone. <laughs> no. No, I'd, but publicly they're saying, hey, we'll take care of you. Yeah. Um, I've had the same interaction with uh, Bank of America who dropped the ball on one of my attempted mortgage applications. And that was not a great time. Uh, there's a big story behind it, but the gist of it is because of their incompetence, I almost lost $40,000, which is a significant flow, blow for anybody. And they would constantly pester me on Twitter where I would complain a bitch about it. You know, call us. Maybe we can help you. Call us. Maybe we can help right. you. I got like six of those. Well, even the, second, the, even the second time I tried to contact them, they literally responded in a message with, we can't help you. So every time I got that from their social media on Twitter again, because I kept complaining about it because it took about four months to resolve, 
I would just send him a screenshot of that message. It literally says, we can't help you. And I'm like, what do you think of this? Silence. <laughs> Crickets. Right? Occasionally, a company does the right thing. But on the whole, it's a PR stunt. How's the Porsche? So last time you were in studio, you were trying to cycle between a handful of vehicles. Yes. You shortly thereafter picked one up. Yes. Sounds like you picked up the Porsche, a Porsche, one of the Porsches. Tell us about the Porsche you picked up. Tell us how it is. And, oh, then, we'll, and then we'll get into some car news. Uh, I have written a lot about this Porsche online um, in obscure little places on the internet. I don't um, read. Yeah. Um, nobody reads. I don't read. But I do write. And I've said a lot of things about this car. It is a 2015 Porsche 911 GT3 non-RS. And uh, that generation, that year, they didn't make a manual. So it is a PDK 7-speed. Mm, so that's their okay. dual clutch. Uh, now, I, in short, love it. You know, one of the appeals behind the first-gen NSX is its engine, right? The engine revs to 8,000 RPM. For a V6, it's got a nice clean note. Uh, you know, handling dynamics, things like that. They all come together around that engine. Everyone, a lot of people love that engine. I should say everyone. Yeah. But what I found with the GT3 is that it actually captures a lot of that magic. That engine revs to 9,000 RPM. It is a screamer. You get in it. And it just sounds like a race We, we car. like the screamers around here. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't true in kindergarten, but it's true now. Screaming is a lot more appealing. You know you're right. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old grandson downstairs, and he doesn't scream very often, but when he does, God help us. It's ear-shattering. And, you know, as middle-aged people, we actually can't hear the higher frequencies of sound. You hear about that? Yeah, there's, I've heard. Actually, yeah, there's, a, there's a guy on, t on not TikTok, on a Clubhouse who's an audio whatever, and... He had mentioned that because we're, we're all, you know, they always say if you listen to music, you go deaf. We're like, yeah, right. But like once you, something happens, it's like once you hear a frequency, you can't hear it again or something goofy like that. And you just start losing these little hearing nerves in your ear. Yeah. I told that story very poorly, but I think you understand. And hopefully the people listening understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. As you get older, it just turns out that the data shows that you just can't hear higher frequencies as you used to as a kid. Um, and it's interesting because in school, youths would use higher pitch frequencies as their notification and ringtones that adults couldn't hear. And we're talking at the very high end of the audible spectrum. Uh, I'm Somewhere told, between a dog whistle? Somewhere between a yeah. dog whistle and how toddlers scream in playgrounds. Right. And... Uh, I did the test, and I've got the hearing of maybe a 28-year-old in terms of frequency. So I can still hear some of the good notes, but I think what it is is that as you get bigger, your eardrums and your auditory sensors are also probably getting bigger at the same time, and bigger is more receptive to larger sound waves with lower frequencies. That's mm. my guess. I am not a scientist. I am not okay, an Okay, because you said that very informed. Well, the thing is, I, I do a lot of thinking. Um, Obviously. I live in the woods. Yes. There's not a whole lot to do yes. except maybe drink coffee and think. Yep. And, uh, and go to McDonald's. Do you go to McDonald's at all? Yeah. You go to that one McDonald's, the only one in the world up there in Sedona with the, uh, the turquoise arches? Yep. And they still have it. They wonder when a period of McDonald's, uh, rem I'm sorry, wonder, uh, they wonder when a period of remodeling. And so they were shut down for a little while, especially with the pandemic stuff mm -hmm. on, you know, it was a half time. But actually, I have some friends who are convinced I actually work for McDonald's. My vanity plate on my GT3 says McRib GT. And every season when McRibs come out, I can't stop eating them. I hate them. They're vile, disgusting pieces of food. And I eat 20 of them every winter. And I can't stop. 
I don't know the last time I had a McRib either. Well, they're horrible, Jay. I don't. I eat mean, they them. come out once every like for a limited time. I did a little digging into this, and the situation is that McDonald's loves to save money. <laughs> they wait until pork futures, them. pork commodities are at their very lowest price, mm. then they buy up all the extras. Mm. Turns out, right around you know wintertime, and once they it get comes their hands out around on, Christmas, you're right. The mm-hmm. McRib is back. They press them into a little patty. They drench their quite mediocre barbecue sauce all over it, throw on some onions and pickles, put it in a special bun, and sell it to crazy people like me. I mean, there's a whole Simpsons episode about that kind of thing. There is. What color? Sorry, I, I love sidetracking you. I enjoyed <laughs> that last time you were in here, too. Yeah. Um, what, what color? Is it white or silver? It is silver. Uh, it is also on my IG, at Vajazel McDillertits. It has a clear taillights, right? It has the clear taillights. That's an option did for that. You year. went on the cruise. I did. Okay, yeah, I saw it. It was... It, it's, I cannot say enough good things about this car, even without a manual, which I used to be a big manual snob mm-hmm. about. There's just something about those cars, and people will talk about the Porsche magic. There is that special sauce yeah. in it, and the GT3 has probably the highest density of sauce versus everyday car. Right. And I would have liked to have uh, at least seen it today, but you know the weather wasn't cooperating, and yeah. we got the summer tire excuse and you know the whole... <laughs> The whole thing. So you show up in your Lexus. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I get to say the Lexus is the slow one, but you know, it's a GSF. It's one of the fastest cars they make. Right. Uh, so it makes me sound extremely bourgeois. But you're not wrong. No, I'm not wrong. Yeah. But it does make almost everything I say about my car sound a little bit uppity, which I try not to be. Well, yeah, it's a Porsche. Yeah. Porsche. Porsche. You're a Porsche guy. I became a Porsche guy, yes. I never thought I'd be into German vehicles. I was always scared of their reliability and concerns like that, you know? And if you talk to German car enthusiasts, they're, like, very defensive about it. Hey, no, they're not unreliable. You just got to fix that one big thing and right, you're fine. Right. It's always one big thing, you're fine. Yep. But when you buy a Honda or Toyota, there's never one big thing. There might be two little things. Like a handful of little things. Yeah. Do you have a Porsche hat yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, do, you have a Porsche hat. I have a yeah. Porsche hat. I have two Porsche T-shirts. I have a ninety-dollar Porsche lighter that I'm never going to use. Are you in the PCA? I am. Yeah, I've this, become one of those sticker, people. Got the round sticker on the car. Uh, I don't have any stickers on the car right now, Jay, and I plan to rectify that soon. I just had a sit down with myself, going, "Hey, I don't have my one auto sticker on there. I don't have my hard parking podcast sticker on there. I have nothing on there. I should get those things on." So I'm going to make it a special point just well, for you. It's pretty cool because you just got a hard parking, the new logo. Oh yeah. Which, quite frankly, is good. Is excellent, I should say. I am a little understated when I give praise, but you know, these stickers are nice. Yeah, but these I would not put this on your car. Okay, I would wait for me to get the 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 vinyl ones they sell Ooh. when they're on sale. Mm-hmm. Like the last ones I had that were similar shape were the vinyl, mm-hmm. and they're thicker. Mm-hmm. They all apply the same. Yeah, it's removing them. Yeah, that matters. Yeah. Yep. So the vinyl ones remove in one piece, and these remove in like 100. Oh, you're right about that, especially with weather and the sun beating on them. They might yeah. get a little inconsistent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So wait for me. Throw this on like, I don't know, a telephone pole or something in Sedona. You know, I should actually send you with a handful of these. Absolutely. You should just drive around and slap them on shit. Oh, I will do whatever you want me with them. Yeah. Yeah. Want to get into some car news? Yeah, sure. So big news. Everybody's doing it. We're going to talk about it too. Felicity Ace, which I thought sounds like a porn star name. Yeah, it does. Totally. Or like a soft porn name. Not necessarily a full-blown 
porn star, but Felicity Ace was the name of the cargo ship that's made news lately. It finally burned, or it finally sank, but apparently it's been burning since February. Yeah. And one of the first things I saw, and we don't have the article pulled up right now, was about uh, Matt Farah having his Porsche 718. Well, I mean, the there is a new 718 out there. Yeah. The so he had, RS. Yeah. Yep. So he had one ordered, and it was on their special paint color, some some kind of blue. And I I'm like, think. I'm like, uh, yeah. So what? I mean, there was like four thousand vehicles in there. It was, yeah, a lot yeah. of vehicles. Probably a lot of vehicles worth a lot more than that car. Yes. But it was, yeah, it was uh, kind of, I wouldn't call it clickbait because a lot of people lost things. So this is a massive cargo ship carrying luxury cars, sinks in the mid-Atlantic nearly two weeks after the fire started. Yeah. Just off the coast of uh, Portugal. But it was coming from Germany. So back to your German. What are the Germans saying about this? Well, you know, I wish I was part of the German community, Jay. Uh, You drive a German car. I do. And I talk about German cars a lot, but I'm still very new to this world. Uh, and my German, I'm actually learning German now um, as a part of... Porsche ownership? <laughs> is that I've, is? I've always been fascinated with Germany. This is just kind of the icing on the cake, but yeah, yeah, Porsche ownership. It is interesting to translate those big, long words they use. Um, Stufenhausen. Uh, Zufenhausen, yes. Oh, I was close. I was just making something up, but I'm, in, my, in my brain, it must have like pulled from something that I've seen. Yeah, there's a lot of that. What did what did I poorly just say? Uh, I believe it's one of the cities where one of the German car makers actually make their stuff. I can't remember which company, but I've seen it in print Stuttgart. before. Stuttgart. Stuttgart is where Porsche, I think, has their headquarters. Okay. Yeah, it's on their, uh, somewhere on their badging. It yeah. was. I've never been perfect at geography, so, you know, cut me a little slack. But. Okay. Well, we know where Canada and Mexico is. There's a segment of the United States that does not. True. That's a factual statement. Yeah. So 250 miles off the, of Portugal's islands, Azores Islands, they don't know what started the fire. All the crew members got off. There's like 20-something people on there. That's what they're supposed to do, I think. They're, they're supposed fire. to get off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, 22 crew members. They were helicopter evacuated, but this thing had been burning for a few weeks, so they had time. Yeah. They didn't rescue one car. Nope. They're not sure how many cars were on board the ship, but it could carry at least 4,000 vehicles. But there's, there's the, the automotive outcry. And there's the ecological outcry. Mm, yes. And that's kind of the, the bigger one. I can see it. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, and the interesting thing is I did hear about it, and it was through the Porsche community because a lot of Porsches are also on there. I think Audis, maybe VWs too, and electric cars as well, right? Some Lamborghinis, I guess. Maybe. Um, Porsche makes a, an electric car called the Taycan, T-A-Y-C-A-N, but they pronounce it Taycan. Electric car. Yep, and I drove one of those at the Porsche Experience Center in Los Angeles. Side note, how was that? Because they look badass, and I've heard that people are bailing from their Teslas yeah. if they have the money yeah. to get the Porsche. Uh, that's true. Also, people are sometimes bailing on like 911 turbos, or excuse me, 911 turbos in order to get one of the Taycans instead because Taycans also have a turbo trim, which makes no sense because an electric car doesn't have turbos. But... That's a Porsche thing. They keep calling everything that's fast turbo, even though all the turbos are in every single one of their 911s now. We call it turbo. Turbo. I had a turbo button on my old computer, so I kind of get it. Well, there was, yeah, exactly. There And, and there was a um, there was a documentary about a snail that was really fast. I think it was called Turbo, and it was a snail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I get it. I get where they're coming from with that. Yeah. Now, uh, those Taycans and Award are stonking fast. Anybody coming from a Tesla Model S Plaid will be like, no, it's not that fast. 
podcast, whatever, range. Because their EPA-rated range, they have a different system where that methodology for the EPA testing doesn't work as well. So their range is below 250. And this is for a 5,000-pound electric car with a ton of batteries in it. So Tesla wins on that front. But for practical purposes, they made those Tycons super durable. You can use it until the end of the absolute battery and it won't change behavior. Teslas had, tend to have that reputation. You can hit them hard once or twice. You got to pull them back, pull them down, charge them up, whatever you got to do. But the Tycon will just run and run and run until it's at its limit. And it's probably built better and with far nicer materials. It's a 2021 that I drove, I think, and the interior was really, really nice. If you love like spaceships, if you love sort of sci-fi materials, then it has, like that, spaceships. It has that wine, like the, that, that electric car wine that sounds so science fiction-y. I'm totally into that car. I think the only car I'd replace a Lexus for is a Taycan. It's that good. But would you replace your GT3 with it? Negative. Okay. There's just something about that car. It's X Factor. will keep me going. I, odds are, actually, I'll probably never have another different types of source car again. It'll be all GT3s from now on, probably. Just better and better ones as they keep making them. GT2, if you know, I strike the lottery or something. We'll see. Because the only difference between those two are turbos. Actual turbos. And apparently money. A lot of money. They're not even trying to go for retail anymore. The last time I was shopping, that was back in November when I was still looking at cars. Those cars, the GT3s were coming out of the factory, MSRP being maybe 200K, and they were selling at the dealer for 300K. They're selling used for 330K. And I saw a GT2 before all this crazy stuff started, and even though the retail is nowhere close, that GT2 was asking price was something like 450K. So, you know, there's an X factor around Porsches, and also a lot of demand for the limited supply. Let me ask you something before we get back to this horrific event. Yeah. If you pre-ordered a vehicle, right? Mm. Let's say it was a limited number. A lot of vehicles are. Yeah. Especially ones you have to pre-order. Mm-hmm. It's like 200 grand. Yeah. And it's already worth more. <laughs> if someone were to offer you, like how much would it take for you to not take delivery on the vehicle or take delivery on the vehicle and then turn around and sell it? Because people have to understand it's not just a money thing, but for sometimes, sometimes in simplest terms, one of the Wiley-isms guy that I listen to says, no matter which way you turn a sandwich in life, the bread comes first. That's interesting. It is. Well, although what if you want to have those deconstructed sandwiches or an inside out sandwich? Open face or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you put the meat on the outside, like you do an inverse sandwich, the meat comes first. Is that a thing? No, but I like it. Okay. (laughs) I'm like an inverse sandwich, huh? Uh." I watch a lot of cooking shows and especially stuff like Cutthroat Kitchen where they have to improvise with ingredients they don't want. And you see a lot of that kind of stuff where they're like, oh, it's deconstructed, where really they just didn't have time to put together. Right. Or they use uh, lettuce. <laughs> yeah. Lettuce is the bun. I've, I've had my fair share of those, yeah. Like a lettuce wrap with a hamburger patty that's greasy. But, you know, I, I was talking with a friend of mine. And they're like, well, how much do you think? I go, I don't know. How much do you think? And they're like, 50? No. They go, 100? No. Because after tax tile and license and then you paying the difference in the capital gains of selling it, you mm. really don't come away with that much. Uh, but, you can't forget about the sales tax bonus. If you sell it to a dealer or something, right. you'll get a bonus on the sales tax of your next car or whatever it is. And that's handy. Uh, but yeah, it's not always a financial decision, right? Right. Up until very recently, because everyone knows you sold your NSX. Up until very recently. Not everyone. Oh, ever, okay. Everybody who listens to this podcast? Yeah. Okay. I had a kid DM me on uh, Instagram this morning. Oh. I'm calling him out, Blake Potter, because you don't listen to the podcast, obviously. Yeah, Blake. He joins us on One Drink Wednesday sometimes. He's like, he sent me a photo, 
He goes, look familiar? I go, yeah, it looks familiar. The car I used to have. <laughs> He's like, uh, you were you there this morning? I go, no. He didn't respond. He's probably confused. He's probably like, guy's a dick. Yeah. I wasn't there. I was right here where I'm at right now. Yeah. I don't own the car anymore. Damn it, Blake. You could have done so much better. Blake Potter, we need more from you. You got to bring your A game, Blake. How much money do you think? Because you know, go into it because it's, it's not always a financial decision. Explain to people why. You're right. Because, well, me personally, my motivation is to try and buy and own and keep the perfect car. The car that always makes me happy when I'm in it. The car that I always look back on. As an automotive enthusiast, you know, people are always chasing that automotive holy grail. Didn't you wreck that car? Didn't somebody jackknife that car, run a red light and hit that car? Yeah. So I had an NSX, which I believed at the time was my perfect ideal car. And I was going to transform it into something that was part of my vision. Obviously not as good as you, Jay. For some reason, you just tend to get the, the best stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I like my little derp life. I like it a lot. And I love that car. And then Red Runner, a 16-year-old Red Runner and a brand new F-150 destroyed it at an intersection because it happened to be looking right instead of left where it was coming from. That's it. So the thing is, is I had to sit down and think about that because NSX prices exploded right afterwards. Now, people were talking 100K, 120K, 150K. That's a lot of money for a car that you could, you could usually literally pick up in 2010 to 2012. You could pick up a beat up 91 with a, a lot of miles on it. You could get it for 25K, 20K sometimes. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Everyone now is like kicking themselves. They should have gotten one. And I decided that my car was probably worth about 40 to 50K at the time. I decided that if someone's going to offer me more than double that, I would consider selling it. But I was going to hold on to it as long as possible, just like I'm going to hold on to the GT3 as long as I can, which on the average turns out to be about two years. But I try so hard. How long did you have the NSX? I had the NSX. I bought it in 2014 and I lost it in November of 2016. I remember because it was the like wedding. Two years. It was my wedding and my honeymoon at the time. I literally got into that accident, climbed onto a plane the next day and went to Hawaii. I feel like you have to be ready. Mm. That's the biggest difference. It's like a breakup. It's like the relationship. When it ends and you're not ready, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out why, even if you've moved on. Yeah. It's always that thing like, God, like what, what did I do? What, what could I have done differently? Yeah. I mean, I feel like when your car gets taken away from you, a part of you is kind of like that too, unless you're ready to sell it. Yeah. Then you're ready to sell. It's like, oh, I remember those good times, but man, those bad times. You're emotionally prepared. Yeah. There's those no... makeup times were great, but man, when we were, when I was arguing <laughs> with that car, that mother, you know. Yeah. It's funny. My wife said nothing while I owned that car, but because I hadn't done the suspension on it yet, and it was a little raggedy because the Pride exhaust was a little bit loud and droney. She told me confident, in confidence later that she really loathed that car. She hated getting in it. She didn't want to be in it. The sills were high, hard to get out of, yada, yada, yada. And I was surprised, but I understood where she was coming from. Now, I used to have a Corvette, right? I bought that Corvette years later afterwards, but she loved that Corvette. She loved driving in it. It was comfortable, and it might have been because the suspension was actually sorted out. But, you know, she didn't have a, well, I'd say a prejudice against sports cars. She just had prejudice against stuff that isn't put together well. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think a guy, I, I had heard on the internet, so mm. let's, uh, yeah, that someone was offered a million dollars or selling their $200,000 order car for a million bucks. Oh my God. I, I mean, if someone wanted it, let's say I had a $200,000 car coming, let's just hypothetically assume that. Sure. And someone offered a million dollars for it, it'd be very difficult to not do it. Yeah. 
like it would be a smart decision to do it. I just wouldn't tell anybody. Probably for the best, especially yeah. if nobody knows it's coming or whatever. In that hypothetical scenario, why would you say anything? Yeah. But honestly, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I think I probably would do that. But if someone were to say, hey, I'll give you 100000 or I'll give you 200000 more, I'm like, nah, I want to enjoy it. Well, uh, let's talk about you, Jay. What, what do you want out of car ownership? Do you want to own that piece of history? Do you want to own that passion? Or would you rather have the money instead? I want to own that piece of history. I want to own that passion. Yeah, me too. That's probably why we're car dudes. Yeah. When I sold my car, it was I was ready and it needed to go. Yeah. But I also look back and said I've had it for almost 10 years and I've done everything I want to it and it's time for somebody else to enjoy it. That gives a long time, Jay. I don't it think is. anyone blames you for moving on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> back to this real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back to Felicity. Hey. Also so. sounds like a clandestine covert code name. This is Felicity. It does. Kate. Yeah. The this eagles is, this in the nest. Is, uh, yeah. Or um, I'm Agent Felicity. I'm Felicity Ace. <laughs> We're allowed to use our real names. So one of the biggest things people were concerned about was the environment. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read this two paragraphs here. For those concerned, this is a, a, according to Mortorius. Ma, 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 Mortorius. I was thinking exactly that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you for singing it with me too. Uh, uh, wow, I can't sing Next it. Next time. Obviously, neither can I. For those <laughs> concerned with the environment, you won't be relieved to know, you won't be relieved to know that the Portuguese Navy says there's only a small stain of oily waste in some debris, where the burning ship once floated listlessly. I don't know what listlessly means. Uh, listless means a little bit like restless. Okay. Uh, like there's... Are you making this up or do you know it? Well, that's my understanding of the definition, but I do know the word. I've used it before. Okay. All right. In other words, those lithium-ion batteries are no longer producing incredibly toxic emissions along with all that burning plastic. Instead, the ruptured cells are now sleeping with the fishes. So to clean up the surface of the water, which apparently is the only concern, the Portuguese Department of Pollution and the National Maritime Authority and the European Maritime. I don't even know maritime. Marine time? Maritime. It's maritime. Like this time, it's maritime. Maritime. Merit. I don't. That, that example in that sentence still doesn't really tell me what that means. <laughs> European Maritime Security Agency and spring water jets to disperse the oil and debris. Once again, governments have come to the rescue to brush a disaster under the rug. If you can't see the mess anymore, it's not a problem. Mm. But really, here's the deal. I understand the outcry. I do. Yeah. But what is the resolution? Well, would you want the ideal answer or the practical answer? I want the... If you were to solve that, given what the, would you do? Given the means as a government where it's under my jurisdiction or as an independent entity with international private contacts? Because, I mean, the context is different. How would you fix it? Okay. So let's say I had a billion dollars and I want to fix this thing, right? I'm just a guy. Probably costs more than a billion dollars. Probably costs hundreds of billions of dollars, to be honest. That's how these things always happen. But if I were just a person who had permission from the... European Maritime Security Agency or the National Maritime Authority, I assume they're prevalent in this regard, I would probably, first of all, try to secure off the area. Now, you can't really do that with an ocean, right? Right. But what that means is that you're putting floating bobs out there to try and give some space to other cars or, excuse me, out of the one car that floats on water or whatever, other ships and other places of traffic so that you can keep it kind of clear so that you can actually try and work on it. But 
the answer would be really difficult because what you'd have to do is probably put some kind of material or chemical in the water that absorbs the waste without absorbing the important things in the water that fish and other, other maritime animals need. And that sounds like an expensive piece of technology that would take a lot of time to implement and do, especially if there are safety concerns around its deployment, or if you wind up in legal bureaucracy with the governments that are in charge of that jurisdiction. And that's difficult and expensive. And the thing is, is that nine months from now, there's going to be so many other things going on. There's a 24-hour news cycle all the time that a lot of people are simply just going to forget. So why wouldn't they do the cost-effective thing in their situation? Because the more PR there is on it, the more negative flex they're going to get regardless of what it do. And that's kind of a hard truth to deal with because a lot of people will be like, well, I'm angry, I'm upset, and I want them to do something, and this is all hypocritical. And yeah, it's all true. But at the same time, those people are always a smaller minority than everyone thinks. You know, the louder the voice, usually the smaller group. And I don't say that because I think they're wrong or anything. I agree with them. They should do something. But practically speaking, even if they did nothing, like the BP oil spills, they did very little. And no one talks about them anymore. The people who are upset the most lack the resources mm-hmm. or the action. It's well, like, you need to clean it up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're taking volunteers. Mm-hmm. And we need you to dedicate a lot of your time to come and help us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't. I, uh, the game's on mm-hmm. Saturday. So looking at this thing, 250 miles off the shore, off the, off the, off the, uh, yeah, I guess off shore. The, the Portuguese shore, shoreline, coast, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. It says the vessel lost stability in waters where depth is approximately 3,000 meters or over 9,800 feet. Oof. The pressure down there is immense. Again, how would you solve this? The ocean is filled with sunken ships. It's We have a gajillion pounds of trash floating on the ocean. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but this is just one of those fucked up things, and there's nothing anyone could do anything about it. At that depth, practically speaking, there isn't much. Not yeah, at all. It, it doesn't, you know, 20 miles offshore where you no. can drill down and retrieve every single vehicle. Yeah. This is, it's, that is, this is what it is. Oh, that's kind of funny that you bring that up. I was looking at Matt Farah's social media, and Matt Farah got an email recently that he posted on Twitter. Someone is offering to go down there and salvage whatever they can from that wreck uh, with Matt Farah's apparently endorsement and not his money, somebody else's money they're going to go get permission for. 9,800 feet. Yeah, that's a lot of feet. That's almost two miles. That's, yeah, that's not going to happen. No. It is what it is. It sucks. It's lost. It's down there with all these sunken warships mm-hmm. that no one's retrieved. I mean, shit, we have the memorial in Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know, not that we want to dig that up, but the ship's right there. You can see it and it's still there. Yeah. Where's the environmentalist on that? I know that sounds terrible, but I'm not wrong. There was a war on, though. There was. But yeah, I mean, you bring up a valid point. And especially at depths like that, off the coast that far. That's obviously international waters. I didn't realize it was going to be 300 miles off the coast. Right. And at that point, you know, what do you do? You really can't do There's much. There's nothing you can do. You're going to send James Cameron down there in a sub? The time to resolve it would have been when it was out there burning for two weeks. Yeah. Why didn't they send anything? That's the question. Right? There's water right next to it. I'm sure it's incredibly hot, but, you know, I guess they tried to put it out. I, I don't know what happened. I didn't. Someone feel free to research and get back to us. Hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. But if there's ever a time to retrieve even the carcass of the vehicles, mm. you had two weeks to do it. Yeah. The, in, the interesting thing here, I think, 
about those vehicles is that since there's so many electric vehicles, lithium is relatively scarce in the world. There's deposits. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that lithium is now sitting on the bottom of the ocean in the Felicity Ace, wondering if anyone's going to buy Yeah. If you can get it, that's a big bounty. Yeah. So that's really what they want to do. They want permission. They want Matt Fair, of all people's permission. <laughs> yeah. To go retrieve his $100,000 Porsche. They probably want to put his name and on it. And they really want to get the lithium. Right. Because that, that stuff's valuable. I and mean, people stealing catalytic converters, right? And that's just platinum and other exotic metals. $438 million worth of vehicles. That's a lot of chips. That's a lot of chips. In other news, Tara Schultz reached out from Pitch PR, senior publicists. And we're going to look at the timely data on car prices. In the most expensive states to own or run a car, gas prices increasing, what car owners should expect in 10 years, et cetera. Timely with inflation. 10 years. Uh, let's see. She sent me two of them. Let's see. This one is Zutobi motoring projections. Let's do gas. Pr- I don't want to learn more. I just want you to get the fuck off my shit. Normally I'm used a- to like dancing little naked girls at the bottom <laughs> that I have to close. Is that what you're going to say? No, no, it's oh. not weird. Uh, for a while there, Amazon would send me nothing but lingerie ads because I sometimes shop for my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, not anything shady, Jay. Mm-hmm. I have my things, but it's not that. Oh, this was uh, updated on my birthday, February 9th. U.S. gas price report, the states with the highest and lowest gasoline prices. That's Ooh. fun. Yeah. Let's check it out. So according to this report, February 9th, Mississippi, because oh, this is way... And I'm assuming this is 87. Yeah. It's likely to assume that it's 87. Yeah. Because not everybody has 91, 93. Not everybody shops 91, 93. Nope. As of February 9th, a lot has changed because it's now March. The southern state of Mississippi is where you'll currently find the cheapest gas in the U.S. with a price of 271.6 per gallon. Nice. Next cheapest is Louisiana at 270. Let me ask you something. Because sure. these are both, these are all basically 270. Yeah, 271. This is basically 272. Both of these are 272. Yeah. Will you, what, and this is, this is, I mean, a lot of people do this and I'm not killing anyone for this, mm-hmm. but I did the math years ago, which I suck at. Everyone sucks at math, Jay. There are people, are you going to go to the gas station? Are you going to wait in line for 10 minutes to save 10 cents of gas per gallon? No, no. But that decision's easy for me. I do math constantly. Now, when I say everyone's bad at math, I mean, there's different levels of math and everyone's bad at something. That's what yeah. I really mean. I don't mean that everyone actually, Stephen Hawking's fine at math. Yeah. But. Bad at speaking too. Yeah. I look at those lines and my time is valuable, Jay. Now I do okay. I'm not like some rich, wealthy asshole or whatever. Just a guy in the woods with his Porsche. Yeah. That's literally me in a nutshell. And I look at those lines and they're not worth my time. But even idling, you're going to use more gas sitting in that line than you would saving at that pump. So the values don't really work out at all. Like you say, when you do the math, it no longer works. Even traveling to, what, five miles out of your way? Five miles out of your way, if you get 25 miles a gallon, that's 20% of your tank, or 20% of a gallon. And 20% of a gallon right now is somewhere between three and five bucks, right? That's 20% is like somewhere between like 60 cents and 90 cents, let's say, right? Right. And like I said, my math is also bad, but that's, 90 cents worth of gas. If you're not saving 90 cents worth of gas on that fill, you've wasted your time and your money. So there's no point. Now, people who have stop and go traffic abilities like electric cars, hybrids, they shut down the engine. Okay, maybe you'll talk. Okay. So there's but a, that's new. Yeah, that's new. Most people don't do that. And most people idle instead of shutting their engines off. I mean, what was the app? There was the app. Yeah. 
we can kind of look and say, okay, well, this place two miles from me, gas is actually 30 cents cheaper a gallon. Uh, yeah. That's significant, mm-hmm. 30 cents mm-hmm. a gallon if you're filling up a tank. Yeah. If you're doing your 18 to 23-year-old self, not to shame people who are older than that, and you're <laughs> putting only $5 in your tank because that's all you have, Yeah, it's a difference. But if you're filling up your tank... It's like, is it worth me to? Is it worth it for me to pay an extra dollar twenty total and be in and out? It is. I think so. It is. The only people I sympathize with are the truck owners, the ones who actually use their trucks every day, not the people who buy them and then drive them five miles. On a road. Makes a difference. Yeah, especially and when you're logging miles. We can't discount those people. You know, a lot of people have to drive trucks for work or whatever reasons, yeah. and they have to pay for gas. And those people are hitting the credit card pre-allocation limit at gas pumps now. Or oh, they yeah. ding at a hundred bucks just or whatever. shuts off. Right. And you got to put it back and put it back on and run your card again or whatever. Crazy. I bet nineties in the infinity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, holy shit. Isn't that like a 16 gallon tank? 18 maybe? Whatever it Something is. Like it was like 96, $97, but I buy the 91. Yeah. I'll go ahead and, you know, treat myself. And, uh, if you know anything about how Europe pays for gas, well, they call you know, petrol or whatever you want to call it over there. Refined gasoline product, you know, they, they do it by a liter. But at the same time, you know, gallons, three and a half liters or something like that, they pay something like anywhere between six to 10 bucks a gallon, you know. Canada is by the liter too, by the way. They are? Okay. I thought they might be by the gallon. A couple of metric countries do the imperial thing. Like you can still say gallon in Britain, they'll be fine. Anyway, but yeah, they paid a lot. So every time I buy a car, now I'm fortunate enough to be able to do this. When I buy a car, I project its mileage costs based on five bucks a gallon, sometimes six. Because I know I'm going to get terrible gas mileage because I'm a lead foot. And I never, ever think gas prices are going to stay the same. And if you've ever looked at inflation before, ever, prices always go up. The people that, the, the people are shocked that gas prices are going up now. I mean, yes, we're all shocked because it's such a daily necessity. But at the same time, it's going to go up. Coffee went up. Movie prices went up. And everyone's mad about those too. But, you know, right now the focus is gas. And I'm kind of like, it, you know, it's already started to happen. It's already there. I remember when gas was a dollar thirty four gallon at uh, at Chevron for the good shit, mm, yeah. fucking nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So the three cheapest is Mississippi, Louisiana, Missouri. The three most expensive, and this is never going to change, no matter when this is. Mm-hmm. California, Hawaii, and Nevada. Ding ding ding. I know it's Nevada, but Nevada. Yep. Those are the three most expensive at this time. It was four sixteen in California. I'm, I've seen photos as early as this morning at like five fifty. Someone posted a picture of it being five ninety nine, six bucks a gallon. Yeah, for for eighty seven. And people are not raged, but here's the deal. What are you gonna do? Can't do much. You can't do anything. You either pay for it or you don't. If you have a diesel, you could convert your car to biofuel and then grab the spare oil from McDonald's. But you but you might be spending more money doing that than you'll ever save or spend extra in gas. Yeah, it's never free. No, no it's never free. Smallest states with the smallest change in gas price, Illinois, New York, and Minnesota. Now, I've never been to Illinois. I hear things no. about it from Chicago expats, but I don't know much about Illinois. Uh, here's the deal. Illinois, fine. Chicago, expensive. Mm. As far as gas. When we lived in Grand Rapids, we would always fill up before we left the state of Michigan. Mm. Right? The, like one of the last little cities or gas stations. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to fill up in Chicago. I mean, you, like, you going back could. to what I said 46 seconds ago, right? You're going to pay it. Yeah. It's just going to cost more. Yeah. And when it's 30 to 40 cents more... You notice it. You do. I mean, most people have, I think, passenger cars or something like 14, 13 gallons a tank. 
you're going to you're going to see that difference anytime you pay more than 10 gallons if you see you know 30 cents difference on a gallon that's three bucks right and three bucks isn't a whole lot of money like you can barely get a candy bar now for three bucks but at the same time you're going to see that number it probably crosses another 10 so if you're getting 35 before all of a sudden your gas tank's now 40 bucks to fill up you're like what's that what's that about yeah yeah what is that did you guys see that what is that <laughs> yeah so it, like was that. A, it was a profound discovery what is what is that uh, next article from uh, Motoring Projections. This is com- this is courtesy of Zootobi.com. How much will it cost to own and run a new car in 10 years' time? I find that this is almost impossible to really predict with how the industry and everything's changing. I mean, by 2035, mm. apparently there's no combustible, internal combustion cars that are allowed to be sold. I don't think we're going to hit that mark. No, not even close. But you never know. You never know. This covers factors analyzed to determine owning and running a vehicle. It says cars. The annual depreciation of the vehicle, the average annual fuel cost, and the average annual insurance cost. So we're going to go ahead and take the Ford F-150. Very, very Here's the thing. popular. America's most popular car, but I mean, it's fleet sales. Yeah. I don't think that that should really matter. It's not going to reflect the average American's experience. Yeah, I'm not buying a Ford F-150, but my company just bought 10. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I like them. They're good trucks. I like them too. Yeah. The base model of this car across the United States costs $26,000, which is $4,400 more than the $22,000 it cost in 2011. Mm. The average mileage is 14. Who? Ooh. Who drives 14.5? Okay. The uh, average mileage is 14.5. That means 14,500. And the F-150 achieves an average of 25 miles per gallon. Not bad. Therefore, you need to buy an average of 580 gallons of fuel, speaking of fuel, right, to run it for a year. Insurance cost per state, third factor used. In, okay, um, what does that mean to us? Okay, so we'll go down here to this next part. Yeah. I'm starting to bust out the fingers for some hardcore math. So in 2011, it was 22,000. In 2021, 26,000. The 10-year change is plus 20.98%, basically plus 21%. They're estimating that by the year 2031, your 2011 Ford F-150, no, just kidding. So your, <laughs> your 2021 Ford F-150 is going to cost 32000 mm. by those projections. Yeah. But that's, I think they're considering that MSRP or something like that, right? So they're estimating the fuel cost to be 323 That's cute. <laughs> fuel cost per gallon. They're already behind. Yeah. Based on what we just read. Yeah. When was this article written? Recently? February 9th, homie. Oh, February 9th. E- e- oh, this was January 31st, uh, this year. Mm, same diff, really. Still relatively recent, and they're way off already. And the insurance is going to be less? Maybe. This is interesting. Hmm. So the change in insurance costs, it's actually down in 2031. But So what we know, and it doesn't matter what vehicle we look at, they're basically saying that Things have increased roughly 21% mm-hmm. in the last 10 years yeah. into the next 10 years. Purchases and cost of living for owning a vehicle. Yeah. This isn't this article isn't very interesting to me. Not really. Yeah, this is yeah, we're we're done with this. It's a little clickbaity, to be honest. Okay, here you guys go before we wrap this up. The most expensive states to own and run a car for, for a year in 2031, in the future. So if you want to know in the future. Because everyone's worried about how much it's going to be to co- to run a car in 10 years from now. Yeah. 
Louisiana is going to be the most expensive place. So if you're in Louisiana, you have 10 years to figure your shit out and get the hell out of there. <laughs> Louisiana is more expensive than Nevada or California, Hawaii, and Florida. And for Hawaii, especially, you have to get a tanker all the way across the ocean to get there. So, you know, it's not like they have a rich bounty of petroleum at their feet. I agree. The least expensive states to operate and own a vehicle, New York, Ohio, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma is actually a really cheap state to live in if you're going to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to talk about Oklahoma. And that is the car news. Want to thank Bo for coming in studio today. If you want to follow him on Instagram, you can hit him up at Vajazel McDildertits. We'll be in the show notes. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and go tell a friend about it. Leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you consume this podcast. I want to thank Wright Honda and Wright Toyota, Scottsdale, Arizona, foilonline.com, Sell Shop Wireless Services, Fountain Hills Motorsports. I finally got the BMW video out, so we'll be looking for it on the YouTube page, youtube.com, Hard Parking Podcast. Is the BMW M6, is this BMW, something like, is this BMW M6 the best BMW ever? Uh, total clickbait. Just going to go ahead and warn you. Patreon business supporter, Koya Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida. If you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month to get access to bonus audio as well as show swag when I have it. You know, people like, Bo, you get like everything I buy. Like I always look for these deals and when the deals come out, I buy them and I ship them to the Patreons first. And then everybody else has an opportunity to buy them if I'm not too lazy and actually list them on social media. Trying to turn my Instagram into a store. I had it as a store before. I think I just need to pay someone like 500 bucks to set all my shit up and call it a day because like Bo said, my time is precious, and I waste a lot of time trying to figure out how to do shit when I can just throw somebody money to do it for me. And then I can manage it moving forward. So that's kind of like my cry for help for people listening to this. Um, I want to thank Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bo Allen Jung sitting in front of me, Alex Gumina, Andrew Bunkley. You can email the show at hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning. That's J-H-A-E-P-F-E-N-N-I-N-G. Name is in the podcast description as well. If I said that too fast, or J Travels, J H A E underscore Travels, join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. We'll let you in. Follow Hard Parking Media on Facebook. For Ball on Jung, this is Jay Finning. I can't grow without you telling the world how good the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together, and I will talk to you all next week. Hard Parking Violations.